church, feel free to take a seat. As you do so, let me um, bring uh, greetings from Pastor Larissa uh, to you uh, this morning as well. She's um, had to take a drive up to the Bay Area. We uh, just received news that her aunt, uh, Aunt Bonnie, um, who has been dealing with bone cancer for years, um, passed away. And so she's up with uh, her family uh, this weekend. So uh, prayers for the, the Quisenberry family are definitely appreciated, um, church. Let's continue our, our series in uh, the book of Ephesians. We've been looking over this prayer that Paul um, prays over the church. It's in Ephesians chapter 3, looking at verse 14. This is what the Word of God says. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him, by the power at work within us, is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we could ever ask or imagine. To him be the glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I, I love discovering restaurants that have a different definition of fool than other restaurants. I remember when we were pastoring in the L.A. County area, we would often on our Saturdays go out uh, to Skid Row, and there we would bring dozens and dozens of socks to people that were living on the streets. And after we would walk around Skid Row with the young adults of, of the church, we would go to, to, we would take a walk over to Grand Central Market in Los Angeles. If you've ever been to Grand Central Market in Los Angeles, it is just a series of different uh, vendors that are set up in this space, and you come to the, to the different restaurants, whether it be an, an Asian restaurant or, or a Mexican restaurant, Peruvian, whatever. I mean, you, you have your fill of choices. And... You go to, the, to these vendors and, and you ask for, you know, a carne asada burrito. And as you, as you step up, what you see them do is take just this huge ladle and scoop your, your carne asada and put it in the tortilla. And as you're sitting there with just joy on your face as that's happening, you, you think that they're done. And then they take that spoon again and go in for another scoop. And you just see it fill that tortilla. And every time that you see it happen, every time you're filled with the same question, are they going to be able to wrap this tortilla around that much meat? And, and they're able to. They accomplish it every single time. And every single time, you're absolutely floored by that ability. And I was thinking about that even this past week as we went to a local chain restaurant as the pastoral staff. And as we did so, they had their little tongs and, and they scooped just a little bit of barbacoa and they put it in the tortilla and it's just completely surrounded by rice. And you sit there and go, that's not, that's not what fool means. That, that's not it. Paul, Paul, as he prays for the church here in, in the book, of Ephesians, he says this. He says that we would be filled with all of the fullness of God. 
And you stop and you think about those words and just sit and, and reflect on it for a moment, that, that what Paul prays is that we would be filled with fullness. These are the words of extravagance. These are the words of depth. These are the words of richness. These are the words where Paul is coming to us that what I desire for you is that you would be filled with fullness. And what he's praying there for the church is that, that what we would understand that every, every time that God expresses his goodness to us, that every time that God extends to us grace and mercy and generosity and kindness and, and love and forgiveness, that every time that that is expressed to us, it is jam-packed with the fullness of who he is. That God does not hold back who he is, but he desires to give us all all that he is, then that this work would permeate our entire being. As we stop and you look at these words about being filled with fullness, that these are words of richness, that these are words of abundance, these are words of extravagance, these are words that are tied to his very presence. We're going to, for the first part of this message, just sit and reflect on, on this idea that God, what God desires to do is to fill us with his fullness. And then from there, we're going to talk about this other side of the prayer where he talks about with all of the saints, that this is something that we would be experiencing. There are three ways that I want us to interact with this idea that God fills us with his fullness. The first one is that this is something that we receive, that we are receiving the fullness of God. He is not holding anything back from us. The second thing that I want us to, to understand is that this is a work that he's doing where he's transforming us that this is the place of our transformation. This is the place that we abide in, where we are constantly being filled with the fullness of God. As I think about that, I can't help but think about comic book characters and, and movies. I just think about you know, that, that point in which venom is completely overcome and, and his entire body is, is filled. It's that point of transformation that takes place. And then third, that the, the that we would discover is that this is, becomes to a point of expression for us. That to be filled with the fullness of God means that this is some, all something that we begin to image and demonstrate to the world around us. But let's talk about that first one. That this is something that we receive. We are filled with the fullness of God. God gives us all that he is. All that we are receives all that God is. I came across this, this line from a poem from Elizabeth Barrett Browning just this past week, and it, it just says this, Earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush of fire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it and pluck blackberries. The promise of Scripture is Emmanuel, God with us. And most often in our lives, we don't experience that. We're not fully aware of it, but the reality still remains the same, is that God gives us all that he is. God does not hold back. But his desire is to reveal all that he is to us. His desire is is to be exuberant, is to be lavish, is to, to, to heap upon us from the richnesses of, of who he is. That is God's desire, is to demonstrate all that he is to all that we are. 
I as I think about this, I think about this, this simple line that's within in Scripture where it, it tells us that as deep calls out to deep. And the understanding of that passage is, is that the depth of our need calls out to the depths of God's mercy and love. That the depth of our emptiness calls out to the depth of God's fullness. That it's an understanding that, that, that no matter what state we might find ourselves in, when no matter what season we might be navigating, no matter how much we find that we are at the end of our rope, that his arm reaches further than that. The, the depth of his fullness will always be greater than the depth of our emptiness. We receive all that he is. As I've said again and again, he does not hold back from us. Uh, when Larissa and I were in college together, I asked her out three times. Um, the, the first time she said yes, and um, we, we went out, we went to just to a local restaurant, and um, I don't know how to be halfway. And so here on our first date, apparently I was a bit too much. <laughs> I, I, I asked her about like, like her life story. I asked her about everything about her. Like, tell me about your family. Tell me about like your, your greatest desires and wishes. Like, I want to know everything about you. And we didn't get a second date. <laughs> I, 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 was, I, was, I was too much. It was actually... In, in the summertime when we were um, off of, uh, we, we were out of school at the time, and actually the way that we ended up getting not going on our first date is that I showed up on campus because I had to meet with, um, I think it was the, oh, what is that called? Uh, my financial aid and make sure that all that, that was handled. And she was working in the admissions office. So we ended up chatting with each other. We went out during the summertime and then what I discovered is that the rest of the summer, she didn't call me back. She didn't reach back out to me. She just completely avoided me. And, um, but then when, when the fall semester came back around, she didn't ignore me. And it was a really confusing time because she continued just to like sit next to me in the gazebo and she would find a seat in class that was nearby me. She'll say that I sat nearby her, but I'm pretty confident it was, <laughs> it was the other way around. Um, and I was just thinking, man, this, this gal that's seemingly ignoring me is doing a really bad job at it. And, and so it was like that for like a year of just absolute confusion. Like, I don't know what, what to make of this. And I asked her out again, and she said no. And it was, again, I was just absolutely flabbergasted. I was like, but then why do you stay around me? And, and her excuse would be like, you know, the Southern hospitality of her that she just, she didn't want to be rude. But, so then I asked her out again, right, like um, two months before we're about to graduate. And she said, well, I got this job in San Diego. I don't know. And I said, well, I live in LA. You're going to be in San Diego. If we don't, if it doesn't work out, like we'll be 100 miles away from each other. It's okay. You could ignore me again. She said, all right, we'll go out. <laughs> all I have to say, we got our second first date. 
And, and I just figured, if we're going to go out together, I'm not going to hold back on who I am. And so our second first date, I showed up, said we're going to the Getty Center together, together we're going to the Getty Museum, because I know that like, that's all about who you are. And, but I also wore a fanny pack on purpose. <laughs> they weren't, I mean, they're kind of in right now, which is odd, um, but they weren't in 15 years ago. Um, and, and I filled it with snacks. Because I just, I was like, if we're going to go out, and if this is going to work out, you have to know who I am. <laughs> right? Like, you know, yeah, love me for who, for who I am. I'm not going to hide anything from you. I wasn't going to hold anything back. And if this is going to work, it was because I was going to show fully, this is, this is who I am. And as, as you just think about this fact that we receive the fullness of God, the picture that I have in my mind is of a God that comes to us and says, I'm serious about this relationship. And, and I want you to know fully who I am. I'm not going to hold anything back from you. I am going to give you all that I am. That, that, that what God desires to, to do for us is to say, you, you get the fullness of me. And, and that's why, you know, passages like within the book of Philippians that tell us that he emptied himself, took on the clothes of a servant, and went to the cross. What you see demonstrated for us is you just think about that the richness, the fullness of God, that he's willing to say, I will pour all of that out. I will empty myself for you. You get all of me. Everything. Everything that I have. My power. My love. All of it made available to you. That the second reflection that I think about here is that this is our place of transformation. If we bring this slide up on, on the screen, and um, Pastor Larissa shared this a, a couple weeks ago, but we, you see in this prayer that, that Paul prays for, for the church in Ephesus is that it's like this stepladder that, that's happening here. And so he prays that we would receive a, 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 a power, we would be strengthened in our inner being, that something different and dynamic would happen within us. And that as that happens, that what we'd also find is that we are planted, that we are grounded in the depths of his love. That this would be the waters that we begin to swim in. That we would be, so we would be bolstered up by the power of his spirit so that we might better be able to swim in this water. And as we're swimming in this water, one of the things that would all of a sudden happen again, because by the powering of his spirit, that now what we'd be able to do is this word knowledge. You've likely heard reflections on this before, but this understanding of knowing in Scripture is this place of saying this is something that fully becomes a part of who you are. This is something that you're wrapping your arms around. This is something that you're grasping. 
This is something that you're comprehending. This is something that, that you're fully embracing. It isn't just head knowledge. It isn't just information, but it's saying that this would be deep, intimate knowledge, that you would know, that you would know the depths of God's love for you, that you would know its height, that you know its breadth, that you would know its depth, that you would know its length. But that would happen, and then now we find ourselves in the end game. <laughs> that what, what, all this would, would happen, the, the summit of this prayer is that you would be filled to the brim with his fullness. That means that it is, it is saturated every part of who you are. The fullness of God. Getting into every single space of your life. The, 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 the summit of this prayer is this place of saying, may God, may God saturate. May God invade. May you willingly submit to him occupying and having lordship and intimate knowledge and interaction with every space of your life. May he be Lord over every space of your life. May he be friend to every space of your life. And I know we've, we've chatted about it quite a bit, but I, I, I just want to again recommend to you the practice of silence and solitude. I love that Henry Nouwen describes the practice of silence and solitude as the furnace of transformation. Because it's that place in which we just willingly submit to God having the word in our lives. Not about us speaking to him, but just being present in his spirit. And, and often what we discover in these practices like silence and solitude is often is that we actually don't hear God speak to us. But the miraculous move of these moments of sitting in God's presence is that his spirit is doing a work of transformation. And, it is, and we recognize through practice like this is that it is a slow, ongoing work of him transforming us. And so often it is so slow that we don't even recognize that it's happening. But we would make the practice of just being still knowing his presence, and then soon discovering over months and years of being present with him in some way that was even unnoticeable to our eyes that he's made us more like him. He's, he's made us to be more like him. It, in his book, um, that Rich Viotis wrote, he, he just simply reflects on it this way, that, that our greatest witness to the world, it isn't our dynamic worship services, it isn't the programs that, that, we, that we have, but our greatest witness to the world is our changed lives. It's that we are different, that we have been made new. That the greatest thing that we can offer to the world around us 
is that we have sat with Jesus and we have allowed his spirit to make us like him. That we've submitted to the lovingly, loving, faithful work of his spirit to cause us to look like him. Which brings us to that next point of reflection is that then we would be expressions of his fullness to the world around us. Paul is bringing us back to the Garden of Eden in this prayer, right? That the original calling upon the people of God is, is that we would be people that would image his, his image to the world around us. That, that, that what would happen is that we would carry his presence into every corner of the earth. And that's what he's praying here. That's the, that's the height of this prayer is that what would end up happening is that we would be filled with the fullness of God so that we might be able to be ones that, that carry his presence into the world around us. That this is what we would demonstrate. That this is what, 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 what would happen. This would be the outflow of our lives, similar to Jesus standing before the crowds and saying that streams of living water will flow out of you because the imagery is that you are so filled with the fullness of God is that what comes out of you is him, is his presence, his character, his goodness, his nature, his love, his kindness, his patience, right? That that's what would happen. That's what would come out of us because we have been so saturated in his presence. There's this other point in which Paul prays or, or is um, interacting with another church community. And he says this, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, but we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed, perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. What is Paul communicating here? That as followers of Christ, we may be crushed, we may be we may be in despair, we may be persecuted, we may be staring at death itself, but what ends up happening is that in these moments, because we are so filled with the presence of God, is that when we are pressed, what comes flowing out of us? Jesus. That's the imagery that he's bringing here before the church. We, we may be in a place of hostility, having the, the pressures of the world pressing in on us, but because we have, so, we have sat with Jesus, when we get pressed, what spills out of us is his life. That you'd be so filled with the fullness of God that what you would find is in these pressure points of life that what would spill out of you is Jesus. What I'm continuing to discover is, is this, is that is that when someone's being annoying, 
or someone is acting even to a degree that, that you would define as acting in, in evil. That what I need to pay attention to in those moments is my reaction. And maybe in, in a less, you know, a smaller, smaller degree, that around, let's say, 4.30 in the afternoon when I'm at home and the boys are running around and they're loud and they're boisterous and they're throwing things and they're fighting one another, that what I'm learning to do is just pay, pay special attention of what comes out of me in those moments. Because so often, my reaction says a whole lot less about how they're acting, and it says a whole lot more of what's happening in my internal life. And this is that idea, is that you would be so filled with the fullness of God that your life rhythms would, would allow you to be in his presence so that in these pressure-type moments that what you might be able to express to the world around you is him, is that it would be that Jesus would be what flows out of you. Now, here's the thing. One of the, the aspects that we really didn't lean into in this prayer that, that Paul lifts up before, for the church in Ephesus is that he says that this would be something that we would experience with, what, all of the saints. That, that I, I love the way that, that uh, Dr. Tim, Nack, Tim Mackey with the Bible Project reflects on this. He says that there are aspects, there are dynamics of, of the love of God that I cannot fully interact with without being in community with people that are not like me. The idea here is, is that, that, that if I am to be able to, to, to embrace and experience the fullness of God, then that can only fully happen by being in community with all the saints, with the wide breadth of God's people. We, we encounter, we experience, we navigate, we live in the fullness of God together. And the imagery that, that Paul is bringing forth here before us is the imagery that he's been reflecting on in Ephesians chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 3, right? He brings forward these two images, and I'll pull them out of my pocket here. He, he talks about a temple, and he talks about a tree. That these are the imagery that, that he has for us, right? Is, is that, so here you have this, this temple. You have this house that's being built together in which we are the different stones that are being brought together. With all of our diversity and all of our differences, God is building us together, and it's there amongst our differences that his fullness occupies that temple. And we, we, as a stone within that building, as we are a part of that building, we get to experience, we get to be filled with all of the fullness of God. 
It, it, is, it is as a part, being part of that, that building that God is building, bringing together. But that stone would be a fool to think that separate from that temple and all on my own, I will get to interact and house the fullness of God's presence. That's not how it was designed. It is together. It is all of those different stones from different backgrounds, from different regions coming together that the fullness of God dwells. The other imagery that he gives to us is that of a tree rooted in the love of God. This leaf was alive this morning. Luris is away, so I went up while she was away, plucked a leaf off of one of her houseplants. You're watching, I'm sorry, love. It's for Jesus. While attached, this leaf can be described as being rooted in a rich soil. While it was attached, this leaf was receiving, experiencing, being sustained by the richness of that soil. While attached, because of what it's being received, because of what it's receiving, the different aspects of that tree begin to produce fruit because of how it's all connected together. But this morning, I did an act of violence, and I ripped this leaf away. <laughs> and on its own, I, this leaf, cannot have the expectation that I am interacting with the fullness of God's presence. It is together. It's together. See, what Paul's praying for us is not for uniformity. What, he, what, he, what he's not praying is that we would all abandon our cultural differences and come together to be this new people because what, what that kind of prayer and that kind of reflection would say usually what would end up have, need to have happen is then the, the dominant culture would be the one that everyone else embraces. And so that's partly why he so often is writing to the churches and, and recognizing that for some communities, the, the, the Jewish believers were the dominant community. The Gentiles were not to abandon their culture and take on that Jewish culture. But it was amongst their different cultures. I love the way that, again, thinking about Tim Mackey, he reflected on it. He said that it was actually what ends up happening here is that we keep our two-ness we keep our diversity to demonstrate a new oneness. See, what we recognize is that the world that we, we live in is constantly calling for us to have these points of affinity 
and allegiance and faithfulness. And that as we live in these different spaces, what ends up happening is that now it creates division and hostility and rejection. That because I am a part of this affinity, I cannot be in relationship with this other group of people that have a different culture or affinity. And, and soaked in this reflection that Paul has here in Ephesians chapter 2 and chapter 3 is that a, a different, diverse group of people with their different cultures would come together. And, and our differences don't become points of division they become opportunity to show hospitality. That here, as a new and united people, you built together, all the saints coming together, that what, what we say is we will use our points of strength, we'll use our points of authority, we'll use our points of privilege, to care for one another, to show regard and hospitality and love to one another. That while the rest of the world might, be, might say that these points of difference are cause for us to reject one another and, and be hostile with one another, that is not what our life is to be like united under the Messiah. We will be a people, even with our differences, we will be united together. And this will change our, this will change our living. <laughs> that when we step into a space like this, that now we, we seek to develop relationships with people that aren't like us. To, to befriend and to love people that outside of Jesus I might not have anything in common with. But the common reflection is this, listen, because of Jesus, I have more in common with a poor Russian woman who follows Jesus than, that I might have with someone who votes the same as I do, who roots for the same team that I do, who grew up in the same neighborhood that I did, or listens to the same music that I did but doesn't know Jesus. And, and, and the lesson that we must always be learning is that our character and how we act has a direct connection to who we love. 
And the world around us acts, lives out a, a, a certain way because of, of the things that the world loves. That which we hold most dear to us. And, and, and what Jesus does is he teaches us to love him and to love people around us. To love this community with all of the saints. That, that's how we begin to experience the uniqueness and, 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 dive, and just full, rich fullness of God. I put a, a resource on the front page of, of our website this morning, and if you, if you go on that, it's, it's an interview with the Bible Project, um, Tim Mackey uh, and John Collins, and they're interviewing Esau Macaulay. Esau Macaulay wrote a book that's called Reading While Black, and, and here's a quote from, from Esau Macaulay in this, in this interview. He said, My experiences shape the way that I see the world and influences the way that I read the Bible. In some way, it helps me. And in some way, it hinders me. Which is the reason why I need other people with differing experiences to help me read the Bible better. The idea that none of us are influenced by our experiences is, is simply not true. I don't think people take seriously how much they are a part of a Bible-reading community. And every community has its own strengths and its own weaknesses and its own blind spots. I'm speaking about my community in a way that hopefully allows you to see your community well. And then maybe through mutual dialogue we can become better readers of the Bible together. And so in a place of grace and humility, the body of Christ comes together and says, in my culture, in my background, in my experiences, this is how I have seen the faithfulness and goodness of God expressed to me and to the people that I have grown up with or I have been around. And another member of the body of Christ is able to come and to say, in my experiences and in my culture and in my background, in the people that I have been around, this is how I have experienced the grace and goodness and love of God. And as that happens, we are more better able to begin to see the way that our cultures bring forth strengths, but it also allows us to see the points in which we have blind spots and weaknesses. And then it's collectively together that, that we begin to, to get a bigger picture of the fullness of God. It is to our benefit that we begin to pursue relationships with people that are outside of our demographics. Because it's there, and only there, that we will really begin to interact with the fullness of God. Pastor Brittany, if you'd come back to the stage. Church, let us pray.
Father, would we Father, would we, would we be a people that that move with with a new love and desire to, to be around people that aren't like us? Because, because of what you are doing in our inner being. Because as we spend time with you, as we sit and are saturated in your presence, that what we discover in those spaces is that you love us. That you, you love us. We, we, we fail, we ignore you, we, we get distracted, we have outbursts of evil and anger that, that so often flow out of us. Yet we constantly have an invitation to, to discover again your mercies and your love. And as we would be a people that are constantly overcome by just how good you are to us, that that would give us the, the resiliency and the desire to extend that same love and generosity and grace to the people around us. Father, ultimately, my desire is, like Paul prays for the community here in Ephesus, is that we, with all of the saints, would know the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of your love for us. I don't want us to shortcut that, Lord. I don't want us to miss out on a, a dynamics of, of your love for us because we have cut off others in our life. Lord, let, let, let us see that, that it's in your fullness that we have life together. And let us also see that it's in our life together that we get to experience your fullness. Lord, let faith community be a place where it is said of us that we love others well. May, may, may it be expressed, may it be embodied here that when, that, that when we interact with others, that, that what our a posture of our hearts is to say is that we love you just as you are, and we're going to use everything within our power and resources and places of authority to say, and we're going to help you to know Jesus better. Jesus, again, we pray, give us, give us your heart. Let us know the dynamics of, of, of your love for us, we pray. We say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.